0: You're listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide, the uplifting, tongue-in-cheek podcast where we chat to British comedy's funniest females in an attempt to cheer up and entertain the nation in these uncertain times. And here's your host, Alexis Strom. Well, well, hello there! there. Happy two hundredth day where we've all been of asking lockdown. Can you believe big it? big questions Woo! such as oh, How much food okay. can I order from Uber Eats? And is it time to put away my sun clothes still and get out the winter jumpers? Jump despite everything, we bring on you today's a really episode, fantastic live on, on Twitch. With, we talk about just Jen that, eyes funny women stage Annette award winner, Isla Twist, and her two very worthy runners-up, Mary O'Connell and Erin Ted. I asked what prompted them to enter the Funny Women Awards. Comedy vinyl. What made me get into comedy music, in the first place and using and we chat about the to raise awareness reply about transforms. guys, And question so, whether or, or not you can learn to be funny. <laughs> Welcome to the Funny Women's Survival Guide. Today we've got two amazing guests, Jen Ives and Deborah Jane Appleby. Welcome. Hello.
1: Thanks Hello. Thanks for having
0: me. Both in very glamorous uh, rooms. I like to see, like the commitment.
1: Thank you very much. Yes,
2: uh, there, there, there could be more background. Um, only if I was facing the other direction, it would mainly be laundry.
0: Oh, uh, we haven't so had we, any. Um, we haven't had any laundry shots actually. Laundry.
1: And uh, and as I is think classical. You can see some of mine. <laughs>
0: Oh, I can. Yes. Is that a prepared yeah, a area? One. Is that for ironing? Have you got that ready for ironing?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not going to do any ironing. This is just like a pile of, um, clean, they're clean, but you'd think I would have moved them, <laughs> obviously not.
0: Oh, no. I mean, you're only like being viewed, but it's, it's millions of people. Can I just say millions of people sure. are watching this right now? So... Of course.
1: Hello, millions.
0: Okay, good. So um, you've both got a link to Funny Women having been either finalists or winners in previous years. Indeed, previous
2: decades.
0: Previous decades. I know, because you were a winner, Debs. I can call you Debs, right? Because we did this. We covered this before. You were a winner in 2005. 2005.
2: Do you remember 2005? Those heady days when people (laughs) were... People, people weren't either being made redundant or thrown out of their houses or becoming Nazis, 2005, yeah. a time that we thought was absolutely shit but turned out to be the peak of human civilization.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, that's sad if we're thinking 2005 was the peak. I should have looked up, actually, what music was um, like in the charts in 2005 because I always find that's the best way in ah. to a memory. You know, like if you'd said it was Justin Timberlake and... Um, that
1: sounds right. Sexy yeah, be around about there, like, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and you Yeah, and stuff like that I think and that's yeah. oh I think. Yes. Oasis is only a couple of years away from breaking up 2005 is the year that YouTube starts and I think Facebook starts the year later and Twitter the year after that so there's there's no social media no.
1: MySpace we had MySpace My, oh god course, yes, yes that was great oh, god, to god, yeah, Tom all the boys. where are you Tom <laughs> what happened
2: to Tom what happened to Tom
0: so actually this is a good way in right this is a good opener what was your favorite year you can do it by your age or favorite year so far
2: my favorite year so far oh my goodness gracious me um I suppose um it would be 2018 uh, because that's when I got married uh to my lovely wife Catherine um, who is probably an earshot so I'm not going to get away with anything other than saying that really (laughs) am I
0: Good, as long as you remember the specific date as well, I think you'll be clear, that's, you'll be okay. Yes, we just,
2: just had our second anniversary, um, we were in lockdown, we went to the lakes in lockdown.
0: Oh, mm. that's nice.
2: As opposed to, di- we tend to go to Disneyland Paris for our anniversary, but that wasn't happening this year, so.
0: No, um, no, I wouldn't want to get on the Eurostar right now, that would be like a Covid, <laughs> COVID hotspot really, wouldn't it?
2: Indeed, um, I don't think we were allowed to at the time, so.
0: I'm just being notified in the chat that 2005 was the year of You're Beautiful by James Blunt, apparently. So hopefully oh, that can no. we can, you know, go back in time. Woo. So oh 2018 chat. Can you tell us what the song that summarises 2018 was, please? Because I yeah. can't Google this whilst we're whilst we're having our special grown up chat. I have no idea. Yes. I don't know what
2: was in the top 40 since the last time you, you taped it mm-hmm. on a cassette.
0: <laughs> I think there was, there's been some whap. I know there's been some whap in the charts, um, and that's about as much as I know. Uh, Jen, favorite year so far, please. Uh,
1: 1996, I'm gonna say. Were because you that's... born that yet? Yeah, no, yeah I was, I'm 30, I was born in 1990. Oh. Um, but yes, it's because my house burnt down um, in 1996. Oh. And I got to live somewhere else, and it was really fun for a couple of years.
0: Okay, so wait, I need to unpack that. Your house, your actual house, was this with your parents?
1: Yeah, it burnt down,
0: and I'm assuming everyone was fine. The house was. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, We're <all> right.
1: Fine.
2: <laughs> um, as a pyromaniac, it was my finest work.
0: <laughs> a, it's a yeah. lot choice, but
1: okay, you can, you know, there's no but, wrong answer. It's the first thing that sprung to my mind, though. Is with, it was just exciting, you know, it's exciting to live somewhere else for a bit. Yeah. And when you're six, it's kind of like you don't really realize the gravity of it. Like my parents were devastated, but I was loving it, so it doesn't matter.
0: Amazing. Have you seen Pretty Little Lies? Not Pretty Little Lies, um, Little Fires Burning no what's that on um, it's on netflix about this woman who burns down her own house i've probably just spoiled the whole series because that's actually the <laughs> last episode when they reveal <laughs> but anyways uh little fires everywhere i think it's i think it's actually called okay we're having some co- uh, confirmation in the chat 2018 was the year of calvin harris i think it was probably other people but there you calvin go Calvin harris i think i've got one of his
1: shirts
2: this is age. This is this is you know you you never think you're gonna reach that age where you go oh it's not music though is it Hey <laughs> but I, you know I'm, I was my my I was I'm a you know punk and metal and everything that was me I was coming of age Ooh. in the mid seventies so oh
1: yeah you're a big metal head
2: so to me yeah it's sort of like you know it's not music these days you can understand the words I'm not having that
1: oh right you were like <laughs> screamo kind of
0: <laughs>
2: that's it shut that thing. crap off and put some near death on.
0: Oh Napalm
1: death that's extreme. Oh my gosh. I, I used to be into heavy metal as well when I was a teenager. <gasps> did that you really? My yeah, I did was you, in a band. I stuff. could see you in a kind of slightly goth
0: phase.
1: Yeah. Like the is more I is different.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: I got my dad to paint my room black.
0: Did you Did you sing yeah. the song as he did it?
1: Which the painted one? black
0: the painted black song.
1: Oh no, no. I, oh, that okay. would have been goth enough for me. Right.
0: Okay. <laughs> I remember I had my parents, um, I asked them to paint my bedroom orange because I was going through a bit of a a wanky spiritual phase. And then they did it, committed to it. And it was absolutely hideous. And I had to get it (laughs) repainted. They were really unimpressed. I was 30 at the time. That's even sadder. Okay.
2: Um, any reasonable parent would have forced you to leave it like that
0: well true true and you know what they got they got really nice Laura Ashley middle class wallpaper underneath the orange so I think they were a bit devastated um so for people who don't know you you've both had quite a lot of accolades I've been I've been reading up about you both because I have to stalk anyone that comes on the funny women's survival guide and I've come across um some interesting facts so Deb Debs, I've got to say instead of Deborah Jane Debs um, you've appeared on BBC's 28 acts in 28 minutes and on comedy Central's the world stands up as well oh, yeah, appearances that was... I got this from your website I think so mm. should all be true um regular appearances on BBC Radio 5 live and as a guest on BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour and then Jen I was watching um, a series that you did uh, I made a note uh... of it because it was something to do with that you had a plant you had a a sort of a semi-interest romantic interest in a plant
1: oh Um, yeah that my web series that I made
0: yes and it was
1: I think that was one of the uh was it nominated for a funny women award that series yeah it was in it was in the top 10 um thing yeah it was basically just something that I made during lockdown because I was stuck inside so it just killed a lot of time to make it that was that was it really
0: I thought it was fantastic I have to say there's a real mood to it um and I hope you get to do something with it actually because I you know I always watch what everybody's working on but I thought was really because it's just you isn't it single camera um you filmed it yourself presumably yeah webcam or something tell us a little bit more about it
1: um so yeah it was basically just about so it was about having to move back in with my dad um because you know like a lot of us now in our sort of 30s have to do that. um i just like come out of like a difficult job and i needed to move because i couldn't afford to live where i was living anymore so i was there for about a year and as it culminated as the year ended i thought i need to make something to kind of express ha- how this was and like how it sort of felt and that's that's basically all it is and then as soon as i'd finished that i pretty much moved out so that's what it's about it's about being isolated and like trying to um trying to just like find the funny in it really yeah. there's a lot of dancing in it
0: I just thought it was it was lovely it you know what when you when you don't have other it's just you and a camera and I think that's actually the hardest thing to do and if you can if you can kind of um pull that off it's yeah. just a really good trailer for a series proper I mean um Debs have you been doing any sort of filming I know at the moment in lockdown it seems like for a while it seemed like that was the only option doing online gigs and filming your own stuff obviously it's now opening out but have you been filming any of your stuff at all I haven't
2: no I, I've used it as an opportunity to just not do anything to have time off and and uh you know just work away and uh and i, I you know I've not really had time off um any length of time off doing stand-up for 15 years. Right. And, um, after about a month, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not missing it in the slightest. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, it just, I just sort of like, you know, well, bugger this, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself. And, um, you know, not having to be throwing myself in the car every five minutes and driving all over the country. And, um, uh, yeah so uh, you know once you go cold turkey um uh, you, you don't really miss it and i uh, i you know i prefer the um the live. you know being in front of a live audience um, and yeah. most of, i do most of my stuff is comparing um and um you know on longer sets so uh it, you know with your audience kind of thing and so not having that you know trying to do it on zoom or just recording yourself i do i've, I've been doing a podcast for a few years so i do that uh, every two weeks and can you uh, tell
0: us your podcast name so everyone can check it uh, out
2: yes it is strong female leads uh, a standard issue podcast wherein we look at popular culture from a feminist perspective uh, as the intro goes, and uh, yes, yeah, so that's uh, comic books, movies, um, uh, video games all that kind of stuff, but from mm-hmm. you know with a feminist twist, um, it's part of the standard issue network. Uh, I've been doing that for a few years uh, with so um, just
0: standard issue was um, that was started up by Sarah Milliken wasn't? it? yeah
2: Sarah's magazine yeah.
0: so but d- the magazine is no longer, but the podcast lives on.
2: Uh, yes so their pod the, the, the standard issue the magazine is now a podcast as well so they've got a little network oh, I see. Okay. and um, Kate McCabe who I do it with we were both writing that sort of pop culture beat for the magazine mm. um, and so we got permission to use the standard issue name and when we started the podcast so in 2015 16 or something
0: which is great because it's, it had such a great um, amount of support and a, a really good following. And it's a shame it's not around anymore. We don't really have it. I mean, where do you go then for your for your source of feminist um, <laughs> news, etc? Where does one go? Where do you like to? Because at the moment, obviously, it's not the biggest, not the biggest issue in the world, because we're fighting off a pandemic, but, where do you go for a juicy a juicy slice of uh, feminist literature or uh, you know current affairs
2: well i think you know i mean it probably is a um a, you know covid is a feminist issue as as everything is i suppose because um uh, women especially working women will suffer more from uh, yes. the, the fallout than probably anyone else will um uh, especially as they're the kind of people that work lower paid jobs to start off with and you know mm. jobs that you can't work from home to do um,
0: and with uh, childcare and everything else it's just unfortunately it has set us back I agree with you it is kind of bound up really um, it's like saying you're not into politics everything's everything is interlinked unfortunately. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah everything's political. I mean but uh, it's it, it's we try to be you, well you try to be light-hearted you know sometimes you can't be during the whole Weinstein uh, me too thing you know and that was six months where it was very difficult to be light-hearted about um, uh, mm. pop, you know, feminism in pop culture. Um, but we've seen representation uh blossom over the last five years, and uh, uh, and you just you tend to get your news from everywhere, um, and then just put, put a spin on it, you know. And we have um, uh, we try to have as many guests as possible mm. uh, on uh, every the show. Um, yeah, and we've done all sorts of things, we've been to conventions, and we've we've um, uh, you now had relatively uh famous guests on and people like that and um and we've got this we've got a roaring book club and stuff cool. um yeah it's the sort of thing where it's like if you've got you know do you know what I could do with not doing this every two weeks because <laughs> it's Muggins here that does all the tech on it um uh you, uh-huh. you wouldn't be able to you have a week off and you've you know because you've got like I don't know six six hundred to a thousand people listening to every one and um and that doesn't sound like much but that's quite good for a podcast and uh yeah um, you know, and they're and they're quite vocal online. Um, so we have a a, a, a third, a second co, a third host co-host uh, who does all our so for us because I took myself off social media about a year ago. I love
0: that you said so. I'm so-sh. with you. I love that. That's like proper Essex that is doing a bit of so
2: on a so-sh. <laughs> and, um Amazing. So yeah, strong female leads. Find it at all your good podcast outlets.
0: It's quite interesting. I was wearing, I don't know if you noticed when we chatted today, I was actually wearing a t-shirt that said strong female lead on it, but I wasn't endorsing your podcast, but strangely and subliminally, perhaps I was.
2: There you go. I don't know. I only ever got, <laughs> I just get your glamour shot. That's what I oh, get. Oh yeah, I of course. Get.
0: You can't see me, can you? I'm so vid. sorry about that. Sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> and um, talking of Soch, Jen, I have been very much enjoying your Twitter output, I have to say. When I first discovered you, because I heard about you actually, someone recommended you. We Claire recommended um you to me on Twitch. She must have seen some of your stuff on Twitch. And so I started following Yeah. yeah, So I started following you on Twitter. And um yeah, hilarious. Hilarious. I do enjoy it very much. How much of that is work? Does
1: it feel like work to be coming up with stuff? Yeah. Um, no do you know what like Twitter for me is just like a bit of fun really um mm. it's one of those things that like I've been on it before in the past and like I had an account before and I didn't really know how to use it you know I could never figure out how to get followers or how to how to do it really but yeah now I just approach it from a point of view of just like have a bit of fun on there just obviously it's not really like the no one really presents their real self on there right so I kind of just try and embrace that and just try and sort of <laughs> I think some of the things I tweet, like they're not they're not necessarily like representative of like who I am, but yeah, I think it's a fun way to sort of like build ideas and stuff and see what people find funny. Not really good for stand up because it's just a completely different sort of thing, but in terms of like written stuff, I think it can be useful for that.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, there's a correlation between writing comedy and twitter output it doesn't really mm. yeah stand up is seems like it's its own thing um we got a little comment in the chat jen is great on twitter there you go endorsed endorsed in the chat
1: thank you thank you whoever that is I can't that was baldy
0: Bald, three and he's sending much love um i i picked up one of yours i uh, if i can read this out I wake up every morning now excited to find out which high profile public figure is speaking out against me in the gender wars. I hope tomorrow's one, one is one of the chases from ITV's The Chase, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: OK. Yeah, I mean, I guess like what I try and do on there is try and just like tackle like certain subjects, but in a funny way, you know. Um, but yeah, like it is true that every time, every time, like, sometimes it is a bit much that like, you go on there and it's such a like, I think people that are successful on Twitter is like people are like hyper political and it yeah. is a really political place, and sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming if you just literally just want to, like, have a laugh on there. Um, yeah,
0: but I think you've struck a really good balance. As you say, what's interesting, I picked up on from what you were saying, was that you're kind of doing it slightly in character. It's like a heightened version of you. Um, yeah.
1: And in the same way as stand-up, it's, you know, it's, it's it's kind of, there's a purpose to it. It's not. Some people are very earnest on that, but I can't imagine doing that. Like, it's yeah. so vulnerable to do that, I think.
0: It's good though, because it gets people to um, to think about subjects in a different way, perhaps. You know, through humour, I think it's a great way in. I saw that you mentioned, uh, you did a poll on them. Um, h- was anyone aware of what the Gender Recognition Act is? And you did a, like a silly poll or something, or not, I thought it was a really good way to get people's attention. Yeah. Um, did you get anyone to answer the poll? Well,
1: every every choice in the answer poll was no. no, yeah. <laughs>
0: I just wondered if anyone actually
1: bothered to click oh yeah no um it was it was a landslide victory for no on 61 percent um yeah again that was just kind of a joke of like you know it was a joke kind of suggesting that you know I'm kind of stereotyping the audience saying like you know I'm just assuming you don't know but also I was just kind of sick of seeing people incorrectly talk about it you know and people don't necessarily know why it was created or what it's for so it's a bit frustrating
0: yeah so it's being they, they're making some changes to the law as I, I saw they're making it easier to um to change your legal gender now is that correct is that something that happened this year because I saw that there were some changes in the law but I'm to be honest with you I'm I'm pretty bad
1: keeping up on it so to be honest with you I'm not like an expert on it but like my perception of it is just that like yeah they they are trying they were trying to make some changes um but the thing is um they've all you know it's it's kind of like a living breathing sort of document and like it changes all the time and it's not it's not necessarily like it wasn't supposed to be like a statement for or against those changes it was just more a frustration of seeing people constantly tweeting about it with the wrong information about it so it was just kind of just trying to invite people to just do a bit of research and at least just read the Wikipedia page on it, to be honest.
0: So what's your most, uh, what's the biggest frustration in terms of people not understanding about um, your identity? Do you find, do you find, because at the moment, obviously, there's I don't want to get into JK Rowling because I, I've already watched your video and your comment on the subject, and I don't think that we should, well, unless you want to talk about her. her I don't, I don't opinion, mind, we can, we can talk
1: about whatever you want to
0: it's up to you but I mean I just don't really want to give it more air time it's kind of one of the things that's come out of lockdown well, look, I mean... sorry go on no 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 go on sorry I was just going to say I think it's good in... it's good that we can it's good that people are talking about um, JK Rowling because she shouldn't just be allowed to have an opinion and that we can't actually um, reply to that um, mm. but I think what you did that was really positive was you did a little skit about all of your friends now that have Harry Potter tattoos are feeling really awkward around you. And I thought that was just a really brilliant way to kind of flip it and show that, yeah, obviously there is emotion there and it's it's obviously struck a chord, But you're not gonna go into one and, and tear her down. I think there's you know, cancel culture at the moment, as as I'm sure you've both seen, has been
1: has been rife over lockdown. Oh yeah, no, i was just saying, yeah, I've no interest in like can't, like tearing people down ever. It's just it's more just sort of like the way that these things get framed, really, in the sense that like it's obviously fine for Jake O'Reilly to have an opinion, mm. but also it's completely fine to analyse that opinion and try to figure out exactly what it is she's actually saying you know online and like what actually is the purpose of her of her making those posts or actually reading the letter that she wrote out and kind of like reading between the lines on it and you know I'm not trying like my like my stand-up is actually relatively light-hearted and I'm not like a massively like super political person but like sometimes I just feel like I sort of have to weigh in but going to I want to do it in a way that is at least amusing at the very very least. Um, With the whole JK Rowling thing I just feel like she has so much support and so, so much overwhelming support from the general public that it can get a little bit lost and a little bit muddled in the sense of like I'm sure, yes, there are people who are a bit unhinged and people who are literally having a go at her and are threatening her and that that definitely is an element and something that does happen. But I think to focus on that is kind of disingenuous, kind of like really just focuses in the wrong direction. Because I think some of the things she says and some of the effects that her statement has is really like detrimental to a lot of young people who perhaps don't really understand the details of it. So that's all I've I've got you know I've got no like huge I'm not gonna like like you said tear her down or get into Mm. all that but at a certain point it just gets a bit frustrating and maybe it's just because Twitter is a bit of a vacuum like you go in there and you see everything and it's it's all very like (laughs) it's all like undiluted you know and it's not it's not really representative of the real world that's that's my biggest problem with it is that like when I'm out and about and I'm you know meeting people and like I'm you know just living my life generally these issues they don't even really they don't even really come up that much it's usually yeah. on in the online space that is so like so 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 specifically there so yeah
0: i think though because as you say it, twitter is this strange it's strange vacuum and i think when you feel personally um under scrutiny i won't say necessarily under attack but under scrutiny it can be mm. quite an uncomfortable place to be um just from my experience recently with Wiley's tweets uh, oh, that yeah. were horribly anti-semitic I because I'm Jewish I felt I felt like it was so personal to me and that's why I had to do something and I think sometimes if something is very personal to you that is what politicizes you and you can't really escape that you have no choice you kind of it's like you're compelled to to yeah. to go with it um Deborah I wanted to ask um what your experience of Twitter has been. I actually couldn't even find you. I had to like muddle around to find you. So I don't know um, if that was a a, a deliberate thing that you're not actually easy to find on Twitter, but what's your experience of Twitter been in in recent months?
2: Um, I was, I've been on Twitter since it started and uh, used to use it a lot. Um, It was my only uh, social network. Um, i've I've never i'm on facebook but that's for for gigs Mm -hmm. um um and about 18 months ago um i just deleted all the apps off my phone um and uh stopped using it completely so um so i probably haven't tweeted for for 18 months that's which would have been why you wouldn't have been able to find me yeah um because it uh, you know, I the kind of people I followed, I followed video game companies, I followed movie companies, I followed um, uh, Friends Comics mm-hmm. um, uh, and the like, and, uh, you know, and a few uh, news sources. Um, and the whole thing was just such a toxic cesspool that um, it it was just like, well, wh- why am I, why am I, why am I looking at this?
1: yeah can I Why give you I, an it's update it's like being in an Eight.
2: abusive relationship <laughs> yes. and I just sort of like you know I snuck out in the middle of the night with one bag that I'd packed during <laughs> the day and took myself off to a digital refuge and um uh, and you know and now and I've not looked back not looked back
0: I mean I'm laughing but it's a painfully true analogy and I have to update you in 18 months it's become even more of a toxic cesspool so you really aren't missing too much
2: well there you go um, yeah, so I, um, uh, the I I use I uh, think called Reddit. I don't know if we're we're, yeah. we're familiar with Reddit, um, which is is I suppose it's kind of a social network, but it's more of a like an old fashioned forumy site, mm. um, and you can uh, follow subreddits, which are usually based around a subject, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, and so I I'm will like join the uh, the Disney subreddit and the sci-fi subreddit and the digital photography subreddit and all that kind of stuff and um and it's a lot easier to um uh, avoid the uh, toxic parts of it um because all of these things are an echo ch- are echo chambers so I figure yeah. well, if I'm going to be stuck in an echo chamber I might as well be stuck stuck in a nice one you know mm. um and so
0: do you worry about relevancy though? Do you think, do you worry ever that not being on social media so much as in Twitter? I mean, I'm saying uh, ostensibly Twitter, Instagram, um, that in some ways people expect that of comedians now in our, in our culture. It's something that, you know, I do it myself. I look out for what Jen's tweeting or um, Sue's Kempner and whatever, because because I'm interested in their opinions on the world. So if you don't, if you're not giving that material out there in that format, is does that worry you? Does that worry you that you might you no. might lose your currency?
2: No, not in the slightest. Um, uh, uh, I um, keep up with the with traditional news sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose is now what you'd call them, um, and I uh, um, so I, I get my news from the places I always like got my news from. Um, which are very boring old person places like the Financial <laughs> Times and Bloomberg and CNBC and um, MSNBC and places like that. Because um, I used to work in the financial sector, and um, uh, and uh, I remember very well in my political youth, uh, a chap called Noam Chomsky once said, uh-huh. uh, "If if you could, you you'll never be able to read all of the papers. You'll not be able to." Absorb all of the news sources. So if there was, if if you've got time to read one thing, read the Financial Times, because that is read by the people who need to make the decisions, and so it tends to steer clear of agendas. Mm. And um, so that's the kind of place I get my news from, um, you know. And then if you you look at other news sources, and uh, as long as you understand. Um, what somebody's bias is then you can read between the lines fairly easily enough and um, uh, and you know so once you've sort of cotton on to agendas and things it's you know it's relatively easy to just go well that's a load of bullshit or, yeah. oh that's quite interesting I think they're actually quite worried about that you know you can pick up on things uh, yeah so I keep abreast of world events and I keep abreast of you know there's a lot of things you, you can't avoid um, but my comedy as written and performed is more uh, broad strokes I'd say social Mm -hmm. social commentary not comedy it's not stand up I'm I'm observational comedian or anything it's social commentary you know I come from this 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 you know I grew up my heroes are um George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Bill Hicks and Lenny Bruce and uh and these you know Ben Elton God bless him back in the day and um you know that
0: was actually one of my questions was who are your comedy heroes and villains or heroines and yeah villainesses because i was always intrigued to see who people's um you know inspiration are for, for what got you into comedy so well
2: yeah i mean that's it and then you you, you had a big thick slice of victoria wood over the top of that for the surrealism yeah. and um uh, and uh biting social satire. That is is hidden underneath yes. all this sort of you know woolly hat northern comic um you know oh, oh, you know oh, Kimberley you know it's all there you know and un- but when you read between, when you actually absorb it and read between the lines you yeah. know it's 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 thick with satire um um yeah so God I mean influences welcome and Wise. <laughs> you know, i don't think anyone's ever said
0: that on here before actually that's, so, that's good
2: yeah you know i was 30 in 1996 <laughs> uh, so yeah no i'm i'm proper old so that's it well we won't get to the end of this without me wondering if one of you is my daughter <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah no old school marty kane i remember marty kane Marty Kane, kane yes the,
0: on the, very you know, only. the
2: only woman on the comedians and um uh, you know, it was like Charlie Williams and Marty Kane were the only, <laughs> did, that stood out like a sore thumb. The only black guy and the only woman on the, you know. I'm not sure and we've she moved was on the, that
0: far, really, in terms of... She was of the most shows. sexist and
2: he was the most racist. <laughs> yeah. So, because you had have, have to fit in.
0: Yeah. Oh, to be um, a comic in those days. And what about you, Jen? Who are your uh, comedy heroes or heroines?
1: Um, I really like Steve Martin and... Oh, yeah. Sarah Silverman um people like uh Maria Bamford and mm. yeah and I really love the Marx Brothers as well I've been watching a lot of Marx Brothers stuff recently
0: Ah, okay that's a good
1: good lockdown choice mm-hmm. a bit of Marx Brothers um, yeah I like anything that's kind of yeah I like anything that's like really daft you know like I like stuff that's kind of like it's got a bit it's a bit clever but mostly it's like really really stupid like that's what I like
0: awesome <laughs> and um in terms of your comedy career so I was talking to Debs a little bit before we were talking about we we've actually had we worked in the same building we discovered earlier which was very oh, yeah. bizarre but <laughs> what was it that got you into comedy like what was the what was the motivation because it's such a bizarre lifestyle choice a career choice as
1: well <laughs> um what what prompted you uh, if I will to start with you Jen yeah we'll start with oh, you okay. and then we'll move to Deb. okay um yeah um so I suppose like I never really like, so basically I was, I was, I just got out of like a long-term relationship and I was living on my own for the first time mm. ever, like on my own, on my own, and uh, just spending a lot of time on my own, I guess. And I was writing stuff and I had always written stuff, but I just didn't really know what to do with it, you know? So it's, you know, you, you go through this process of like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I'm, maybe I could write for something on, maybe I could do that. Maybe it's a play or whatever, but then yeah. you know, I got so frustrated with that process of it. And I've always loved stand-up, that I just thought well I'll just like do an open mic or something so I applied for an open mic um, in Brighton that's when I used to live in Brighton and I got really really drunk um Mm -hmm. went went to the wrong venue um ran to the right venue and then just did it and I'm sure I'm sure it was crap like I'm sure it was but enough people said like oh you know that was good there's something in it for me to just like get that confidence boost and carry on yeah and from there I've just been kind of like going from one stage to the other like not really overthinking it in terms of I never had like a like a from the beginning I didn't have like a set career goal or anything Mm. um but then as you do it more and more you start to realize like it might be viable so yeah that's that's that's, that's is really, that the word yeah, of the week
0: isn't it I think viable and comedy I'm not sure if they yeah yeah you know in terms of uh, oh right yeah. etc but um oh, yeah sure. yes I don't know if we can say the word viable anymore without it <laughs> hanging my no, right yeah
1: <laughs> but fun anyway you know it's always it, it gave me a lot of confidence and it like it it was something fun and I was able to express myself in a way that I'd never had before so that's mainly why I got into it to be honest
2: and Debs? Uh, viable. <laughs> um, in an industry where the fees have not gone up in the last 35 years, um, right. no, no, it's not viable. <laughs> so, no. Um, we do
0: it for the love. We do it for the love, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
2: you still earn yeah. the same money for the same amount of time doing a set, but petrol was about 35p a gallon when, <laughs> when um, uh, uh, alternative comedy circuit started in the late 80s. Uh, mid 80s um uh i did evening classes darling oh comedy oh. evening
0: classes
2: i did evening classes yes um uh, uh approaching a mid-life crisis sort of mid to late 30s uh decided i and and living in london having moved to london from t- frozen north mm. um uh in my sort of glam 30s and um I decided I'd do, I'd do something, I'd just do something arty, because I'd never done anything arty, Um, so I took lots of different courses, I took one in uh, film directing, uh, I did an improv one, I did an acting one, and I did a stand-up one, and um, a place called City Lit in Holborn.
0: Oh my god, yes, I've been to City, I did a music course there.
2: Well, there you go. Yeah. You've been following me around. I've basically
0: been been stalking you, doing whatever you do, and um, I'm moving into your house with your (laughs) stuffed toys. No, you've got some very good teddies we noticed before. So, yeah. Uh, We have, yes.
2: And, um, yeah, and the redoubtable Mrs. Appleby arranged them neatly on the back of the couch (laughs) just in case I was going to be facing that direction again, (laughs) Uh, or the camera's going to be facing that direction again. Um, Yeah, so out of all these things, stand-up, uh I got uh we did it like you do like an end of course showcase for friends mm-hmm. and family uh and I kind of took to it like a duck to water I suppose um I have um I don't know I I, I have a certain kind of personality that latches onto these things mm. um I don't I've been a fan my entire life. comedy has always been the thing I used to ready for this this is going to blow some people's tiny little minds
0: go on then blow us blow us
2: i used to get the comedy albums out of the local library in keithley west yorkshire so i could take them home and record them on my Philips compact cassette player
0: oh my god i love that and then take them back
2: yeah pre-video how long did you get
0: how long did you get them for was it a few days? Because tapes were quite like, that was quite pri- prime stuff to well, get out of yeah. the library in those days. So you only hey, get well, like yeah. a couple of days, didn't you, I reckon?
2: Yeah, got them out like a book and um, yeah, your record albums or what you people call vinyls. Yeah. With an S. Really? <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, so that's, and I used to, um, uh, so uh, I have, uh, and I've got some, I've got some down here. Mike Harding, Billy oh come Connolly. on, show, you've got to
0: show us,
2: Jasper. Oh my God, I can't, yeah, I'd have to come off camera and go reaching oh, okay. around in a box. All right, well
0: maybe you can send us a picture and we can. I'll do that while
2: can... Jen's talking next. And oh, um,
0: someone's at, uh, AJ Emerald Isle in the chat has said, "Comedy Library albums, awesome." There yeah, you go. vindicated.
1: So that was it. They were. I've and they were the. If you want to see.
0: Oh please! Oh. oh, I love this. Mind blown! Iron Butterflies eighty-seven is saying in the chat, "Mind blown." <laughs>
2: What have we got here? I love here? this.
0: I didn't even know this was a thing. Steve Martin. Steve Martin.
2: Oh, that's a classic one. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, my gosh.
2: Steve Martin, who used to work in the magic shop demonstrating magic tricks at Disneyland in California. Ready yeah. for that? There you go. Wow. I didn't you know read that? Born Martin Standing Trip. Up. Oh.
0: In Brit- the chat. Um, <laughs> Best uh, comedy
2: I... autobiography ever, that.
0: It's
1: great, isn't it? It's a brilliant yeah. book.
0: We're such big for Steve Martin fans in here as well. We um uh Iron Butterfly87 says she remembers recording the top 40 off the radio, and I used to do that every Sunday, but I have to say, comedy albums and, and recording them, that's one step beyond. That is that is dedication. I'm oh, impressed. Yeah.
1: Piracy. And piracy. Yep, and <laughs> piracy.
0: But I think in those Straight days up. you could kind of get away with that. It's only when there was the musical revolution with uh downloading that it all got a little bit. A little bit dodgy to do that, but I think in yeah. those days you were allowed. That was fine. oh yeah. <laughs> I'll Not let you have Napster that.
2: crap. So oh dear, here we go. Amazing. So it would be in the box that's right next to that. I'm gonna have to move everything out of the way. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> this is it. But you know, for my people, for my audience, my new audience. I
0: love it. I love it. They're oh. <laughs> you Are you you digging up? Your, I'm digging um... here. Yeah, look at this.
2: Okay. Yeah, they were in the most awkward place, obviously. But that's how you do that. So let's have a go. So yes, off the vinyls, and we're back on. We're back on. Back there you go. On, We've back been, having on. A ch- been having a cheeky read of the White Doors there.
0: And then for the people who are actually listening, um, obviously you can't see these, so I will tell you what they are as Deb holds them up. If I can read, or perhaps you can tell us.
2: There you go. What's that? That's Monty Python's previous record. Wow. The. The unrecorded, with uncrossed out, obviously, with it being a record, Jasper Carrot. Do we remember the Jasp? Oh, oh my board. gosh, do it. we?
0: Yeah, and his daughter was uh, in the office, wasn't she?
2: There you
0: go. Jen, can you hold yours up at the same time, please? Because this is going to make an excellent picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I love it. Yeah.
2: Wonderful. put my card in. Now, it's not on this particular album, but when I was a kid because of this uh my card you used to do um like epic comic poems yeah and he you did one called napoleon's retreat from wigan <laughs> okay which is all, all about napoleon suffering his greatest de- defeat um by not being able to get into to wigan and uh, it was about 15 minutes long and i memorized it word for word when i was a kid and it was my party piece and there's a you know big in there
0: that's so lovely. I've got a real. I've got a real sense now of you both growing up and just like being in your rooms, you know. Because for me, it was mu. It was always music, and I'd sit in my room and listen to records for hours and and try and learn the guitar and stuff. And and it's just interesting that you know, obviously, you're still working in comedy, and that was your that was your start in life was to just kind of not necessarily mimic, but to listen to the people that you really admired, and I guess. I mean, what what way what was the process? Were you listening to the rhythms of the comedy, or what? How would you say that that sort of influenced you?
2: Oh, I I, I th- well for me, yeah, it was. Um, uh, I used to mimic it back, but I I just I just always loved it. The um, um, uh, I think one of the things was it it was it, my parents loved it. Um, uh, my dad loved the Goon Show. Yeah. Um, and it's that sort of thing is when if it was probably the things that made me mum and dad laugh. Um, And that's that's when you see when you when someone's laughing, that's when you see the best of them. The, mm. It's it's a, a release, isn't it? You can't. You can always tell when someone's faking a laugh. You can't always tell when someone's lying. You can't always tell when someone's conning you. But you can always tell when someone's faking a laugh because it is just mm. such a raw emotional Um, explosion and uh, so there's something safe about being around people when you're having a laugh because everybody's Mm. being genuine (laughs) it's some sort of that's probably just like the the best autistic thing in my brain going you know oh well this this is good you know while they're laughing we're fine Mm. and um, uh, yeah and so I always loved it But, but growing up in the well in the 70s I mean the idea that That you could, if you wanted to be a comedian, you had to be on television, Mm. Um, and to be a comedian on television, you had to go to Cambridge. So that's that's how uh, you know you either have have been doing the club circuit since the sixties or the fifties, or you had to go to Cambridge. Um, And when I moved to London in
1: 98,
2: Hmm. Uh, um, and I was working in the city uh, at Finsbury Square. A friend of uh, took me to the Comedy Caf. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, in Liverpool Street.
2: Uh, Yep. And uh, 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 the open mic night. And you just, Mm. and it's sort of like, well, what is this? It's like a comedy gig, you know? And you go, oh, you mean like, you know, like Friday Night Live and that and everything. I don't even think stand up was on TV in the 90s, in the mid 90s. But, um, and you go, and everybody is terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible, you know, except the compare who was Daniel Kitson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you go, fuck me, I could do that i could do that so that hang is... on so yeah. wait your
0: motivation for getting into comedy was just seeing shit people and thinking i could probably do better than that well, i mean exactly. that's a good that's a good motivation i like it I'll well take if you that. think
2: about yeah i mean if you think about um like all the great grassroots music you know yeah. skiffle punk all of that kind of thing it was because uh all of a sudden it was simple enough that you thought well i could have a go at that you know if you if you grew up listening you know listening to and seeing led zeppelin and pink floyd and that and then you pick up a guitar you're going to give up after five minutes mm, true you know <laughs> you are gonna you watch eddie van halen and think oh well let, let me have a go at that you know there's, there's more strings and fingers how's this supposed to work but you know if you go along and and you see just someone sort of you know rapping away on a tea chest bass and having a go mm. you think actually because what you're seeing when you watch videos and when you watch TV, you're seeing the end result of thousands of man hours of work of, of editing and production and everything. You're not seeing, um, uh, you're not seeing how, you know, you're not seeing how the sausage is made. There's a, a, Jerry Seinfeld made a movie a documentary called Comedian mm. um, uh, in the early 2000s, um, which was him trying to get back into up after Seinfeld finished. And um, and some of the bits of him just trying, and, trying, and, he's like, he's got post-it notes in his pocket. Yeah. And he's trying to read them on stage, and um, and it's it's painful, painful.
0: But I think work work in progress is painful. It's one of the parts about being a comedian that I think largely, um, you know, the public are kind of shielded from. <laughs> but the reality of the reality of seeing people do the work in progress, it's actually really, it really like um. Yeah, it pulls back the, the curtain, as it were, and you really see what warts and all, what what the process is. I mean, you mentioned, um, Debs, you mentioned about, you know, comedy being the realm of Cambridge-educated, Oxbridge-educated uh, type sort of thing. Have you found, I mean, clearly, if you're a white male of a certain age, um, it is a lot easier to get into comedy. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're good, but have you found that comedy is particularly difficult to get into and that there are particular obstacles or would you say it's no different than any other area of the entertainment business? Because we obviously we've gone through this period over the ah. summer where there's been a lot of discussion about, um, there's been specific male comedians who really have behaved quite badly. I won't, I'm not gonna uh, <laughs> put myself in trouble by by naming them or anything, but. Um, you know the conversation has arisen there are now bodies involved with policing that in comedy etc and you know we we've always known it's been a difficult realm so really I just sort of obviously because you've been around a little bit longer as well so you may have perhaps seen a change or has it always been that way? Um,
2: I think the change that I've seen is that um, it's a bit like women's sport Um, women have stuck at it longer and therefore it appears like there's you know there's been one of the one of the things I noticed early on is that um, uh, for example the, the first course I did uh, the second course I did and the first improv course I did they were all 50 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact with the acting it was it was often more women than men and because I during that time, you know, got a little bit of stage confidence and everything, I stuck to these things. Uh, and you would see very quickly when it came to actually going out and doing gigs and getting gigs and uh, trying to get into companies to perform and things, mm-hmm. uh, the numbers just drop off a cliff um, because it's hard. Um, it takes place in city centres late at night. Mm-hmm um and um especially for stand-up you're doing it on your own but if you've got kids at home if you have you know you most people are working a job as well but then if you if you're doing a job and you're trying to do stand-up or improv or acting or whatever and then you've you've probably got the large burden of childcare as well um it's hard and so it's it's a lot easier to give up than it is to keep going so you then you see the numbers drop off um And then you have the, you know, you get the the classic ridiculous, you know, well, we had a woman once, but the audience didn't really go for it. So we've not booked one again. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so, Oh, do you have any male comics that die? Oh, all the time. Yeah. We've, we have one that's so bad. We just keep bringing him back. Uh, not realizing the irony. Um, and I think you probably see that in funny women as well. I mean, how many, you know, how many people do you see during the course of an award season? from heat through to the finals that you go like you're absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. um and how many of them are still doing it yeah um whereas you know lads tend to have this um false sense of ego and bravado that you know even when they're shit they 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 can calm themselves into think you know women who are good are like going i'm shit I'm shit, society's told me I'm shit from the day I was born. I'm nothing, I'm I, I'm not thin enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not blonde enough, I'm not white enough, I'm not dark enough, you know? The image for women is always, you know, you're crap. There's, everything's wrong with you. Um, and the image for men used to be, you know, you're amazing, you're the hero, you're the winner, you know, go out and get them, tiger. Mm. It's, it's a lot harder for women to break that confidence barrier
0: yeah um, jen what's your experience been and what sort of obstacles have you come across
1: um well i just want to say like i i definitely agree with a lot of what Devs just said like i'd say the, the one thing i notice with um male comedians is like they sometimes can hurt the audience as well because i think like when they come out there's this there's this um sort of assumption that you know oh here's a familiar face this is this is you know a straight white Mm -hmm. man and they're gonna be funny right because that's just something that is kind of like instilled into an audience and I've seen a lot of like truly like dire acts like do okay because of that assumption and I've seen like tons of like amazing female comedians who just haven't got the reaction that they deserve for their like amazing sets um I'd say that my sort of personal experience is know if i really had to truly analyze it i'd say that i i don't get i i feel like sometimes or at least i used to not really get taken very seriously i think there's like assumptions about what my material is going to be or sort of like what i'm going to talk about etc so like i've always tried to come at it from a slightly different angle and i think starting off i was a little bit more like had a chip on my shoulder about that so my style was a little bit more antagonistic and i think it's yeah. taken me a really really long time to get comfortable like with my own voice and stuff
0: well let's get on a lighter note now anyways biggest highlight of your career because jen i yes. i understand you've got a joke on news jack very recently i was very excited to see this
1: yes i've been trying to get on there for a while and um i think it just took me a while to kind of figure out what what their voice was and stuff yeah and, and um but yeah, no, I did. It was it was a big, you know, big high to hear my name read out on the radio. Um, even if like even if I I mean I don't know how many people were listening to it. I'm sure I'm sure enough. I'm sure they didn't know. Millions, millions were listening, millions. Jen. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm sure they didn't know, know it's my name, but it just, you know, it felt good. I've never been on the radio before.
0: It's quite it's a very specific style, isn't it, writing for um for newsjack yeah. or any any sort of radio comedy it's very different to mm. um to doing stand-up or, or a joke on twitter or whatever so i think it's amazing that you're able to write across different um formats i think it's a really good challenge to anyone yeah. who's listening to try you know because they're open they're open forums so anyone can write for newsjack you can you just submit your you can do a one liner, or you can write a sketch, etc. I think it's such a good platform. Yeah,
1: that's what I was going to say. It's it's brilliant for anybody who wants to like flex their like writing muscles, or anyone who thinks that they're good at writing jokes can can get a, yeah a foot in the door. Like, you don't have to be a comedian. You don't have to um, have performed or anything like that, or have any credits. You can literally, if they like you, they'll they'll put it. If they like the joke, they'll put it on. And also, you know, it's paid and. It's great to have that in your bio isn't it stage why wouldn't
0: you enter it, it? exactly it's yeah. stage time so devs what should, what would you pick out there as your as your particular career highlight obviously we, we went through some of them before but it might be something i don't even know about yet
2: um i think probably as as high as a highlight goes i think realizing that you don't have to make the big time You know, you don't have to be on Mock the Week. You don't have to be, um, you know, touring. You can have a career. Well, you could have. Sorry, sorry people. (laughs) uh, Past tense. uh, Could have a career being a job in comic. And that um, that there's no such thing as making it. Um, There's just doing it. Mm. Um, and so whatever you're doing to your capacity, um, it's, it's not a problem. I spent a lot of, a lot, a lot of years thinking, you know, I wasn't high I wasn't doing this gig. I wasn't doing that gig. I wasn't getting on this. I wasn't doing that. Um, and those were all years when I could have just been having an absolute whale of a time because I was fucking gigging five times a week
0: um what's next for you where can we find you what's what's in the works if you can just give us uh Jen should we go to you first
1: okay um well you can find me on Twitter I guess and that's at Jen Ives Comedian um I'm writing a few things with people that will be coming out soon so just keep an eye on my Twitter for that um I've also got a comedy night that I'm running at the moment called Club Casual which uh, is yes, in, in Hoxton, Hoxton Cabin, and that's every other Tuesday. So the next one's on the 26th. It's going to be a Halloween special if anyone wants to come. It's uh, like Amazing. pro, semi-pro, new material night. Um, and I've got a couple of podcasts that I guess I could I could plug. Um, I've got one called Who Is She?, which is a Big Brother <gasps> watch-along podcast. Um, I didn't yeah, know so. that, as in Nikki Graham, <laughs> Who Is She?, yes
0: oh my god yeah I didn't know you had
1: a podcast I'm terrible I'm going to listen to that It's amazing it's underground you know it's not got a huge amount of listeners it's underground but um no basically it's like we me and my friend he's a comedian his name's Riggs we we basically have just started watching Big Brother from the very beginning again so we're, we're doing series one at the moment and it's really just like a springboard for talking about whatever but we are watching through as well um And I also have another podcast called Real Girl Talk, which is an interview-based podcast. And the kind of premise of it was um, me as a trans person, I'm sort of like interviewing real biological women to try and learn how to be one and infiltrate women's spaces, kind of like a satirical thing. Yeah, check that out. Um, Should be some new episodes soon.
0: Amazing. Well, if you ever need a guest. And Deb, what have you got coming up? Because I saw you got a tour, hopefully, starting next year so what else is going on for
2: you um i don't think so i think um i think i've been covided for the near future um yeah i think i'm i'm probably done until until we're open up up, up again so i'm i'm kind of uh, i like to think of it as i'm decompressing from stand up and hopefully when at the I end i like of, that at the end of um uh, uh, um covid i'll have like a whole new world of things i'll want to do and talk about and stuff
0: um you've been amazing guests thank you so much jen eyes and deborah, deborah jane appleby um it's been lovely to chat to you me. Well, thank you and do stay in touch let, let us know what you're up to and we can um share it and and um you know hopefully when you come out of your covid your covid chrysalis we're very there interested go, yeah. to see what you're up to both of you You've been listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide and I've been your host, Alexis Strum. Thank you so much to my guests this week, Jen Ives and Deborah Jane Appleby. Um, I particularly like Deb's comment, there's no such thing as making it, there's just doing it. Fabulous. Get that printed and put on your vision board. So if you want to find Jen and Deborah, go to Twitter at Jen Ives Comedian and also check out her comedy series on YouTube. And Deborah can be found at DJ underscore Appleby, A-double-P-E-L-B-Y. In terms of recommendations, well, we're listening to the lovely Vix Slayton's brand spanking new podcast, Comedy Arcade, which is part game show, part panel show. It's absolutely fab. And we're watching Sarah Pascoe's new comedy Out of Her Mind on the BBC. We're reading Annika Harry's satirical new book Lady Sidekick, 50 Tired Tropes for Women with illustrations by the fabulous Laura Dockrill, who I know from the poetry scene. And in terms of live gigs, we thoroughly recommend Jokes and Spokes which is a comedy fundraiser in aid of the bike project and that's got Athena coup Susie Raphael, Evelyn Mock, jen brister and funny women awards finalist kema bob so do check that out you can get your tickets online and in terms of funny women events the comedy crash course which is taking place next week in half term starts on monday the 26th october that's for 11 to 16 olds and the comedy workout is back you'll be pleased to hear november the 4th at 7 p.m to book a ticket for any of these events please visit funnywomen.com and if you want to find out more about me check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash erlexistrum. Stay funny and stay safe.